a little bit of review, talking about functional faith last week and uh, really going through this fall of faith and this fall season where we really stretch our faith. We talk about our faith. Uh, Last week, we talked about a couple of things. Uh, Faith doesn't guarantee your outcome, but it establishes your outlook on life. God doesn't want you to go from situation to situation trying to just fix every situation. He wants to look at systems and fix systems like he went into the temple to fix the system, not just the situation. He doesn't want us going around our lives like a big game of whack-a-mole trying to hit the mole and another one comes up. And you end up just going crazy trying to play this game. And like I said last week, what we got to do is go behind the game and unplug it so that the moles stop coming up because they'll drive you crazy. Um, Also, we don't need a China dishware type of faith. We need a paper plate type of faith where we can pull it out whenever we want it, where it just doesn't sit on a shelf somewhere because you got it when you were married or whatever it might be, and you look at it and it looks pretty. We need a durable, everyday type of faith that we can pull out and not worry about it breaking because it's there for you. And if you drop it, you can pick it back up and you can eat a hamburger or a hot dog on it. So uh, that's sort of where we were looking at last week. This week, uh, we're going to be in a very very famous passage of scripture, Hebrews chapter 11. Um, I will go there as you go there. Let's see who goes there first. Oh, I'm already there. All right. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to jump to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. So this is what it says. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For, for by it, elders obtained a good testament testimony by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of god so that the things which are seen were not made by things which are visible next oh yeah okay that's it and then (laughs) hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 it says therefore we also since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight And the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about when Jesus sat down, he didn't sit down because he was tired, right? He didn't sit down because he needed a break or because he was winded. He sat down because it was finished. Because he was done with everything that needed to be done to fulfill the law and to fulfill what we needed to have a relationship with God. So when Jesus sits down in heaven, which it says now he was, he is seated, seated in heaven. Um, he, he did it because he's finished and he asked you and I to sit with him as well because he doesn't want us worrying. He doesn't sit around in heaven thinking, Oh my goodness, look what they did. How could they do that? What am I going to do now? Better go get crucified again. That's not what Jesus does and he tells us not to worry in the same way that he doesn't worry um, so as we talk about these two sections of verses uh, and the reason i jump from hebrews 11 to hebrews 12 i want to talk from the subject of the faith that has a frame well let's start with prayer father we thank you so much for this morning 
God, I thank you that um, you are a God who, who has created faith and instilled it in every single one of us. Lord, I pray that you would bless us as we hear your word. Lord, that your word would not return void, but that it would grow something that would plant a seed in our heart that allows us to walk out of here today, not doubting you, but believing in you and believing that you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. God, we come here this morning believing that you have a word for us that could change our lives, God. So we, we take that, we accept that, we anticipate that, Jesus, and we pray these things that we would never be the same in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Have you ever noticed that with any decade, there's always certain things that people remember? Like, if I was to say um, the 60s, uh, you would probably remember the Beatles, uh, maybe the first Super Bowl, which Green Bay Packers won. And so that must have been a long time ago because they were winning Super Bowls back then. Um, I don't think we have any Green Bay fans in here, so I felt like that was safe. I won't get many boosts. Uh, the 70s, you have uh, lava lamps. Anyone remember lava lamps? Yeah. <laughs> a shag carpet. I guess Mork and Mindy. I wasn't alive, so I'm just taking the word what, what I Googled. Uh, so there's a lot of things like that. The 80s, who remembers ALF? Alf. You know why I like Alf? Because he ate cats. <laughs> Alf was awesome. Uh, there's Kid Sister. There was uh, my, my buddy, my buddy and me. Um, Pogo, Pogo Balls. They were so awesome, but everyone broke their ankles on them, I guess. Uh, Dare, Reebok Pumps, all those great things. The 90s, we had uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And Home Improvement, Steve Urkel. Everyone loves Steve Urkel. He, he was awesome. And I do that. Uh, X-Files. Uh, in the 2000s, we had NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, Frosted Tips. Yes, I did have Frosted Tips when I was uh, just graduated high school in uh, 1999. Um, you probably didn't have Frosted Tips, but No. Now, if faith was a decade, oh, there we go. If faith was a decade, um, what you would remember from faith or from that decade would be Hebrews chapter 11 and chapter 12. Because there's really nothing else besides Hebrews 11 and 12 that is really the go-to for faith in the Bible. If, if you were to think about a series on faith, it would have to have Hebrews 11 and, and chapter 12 in it. It's sort of like what the common push-up is to working out. It's just something that you think of when you come to this idea of faith. And, and so in the middle of these verses, from Hebrews 11, chapter, or chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, to Hebrews 12, uh, verses 1 through 2, there's a picture right in the middle of that. And, and Hebrews 11 and Hebrews chapter 12, they really bookend or they frame this picture that the writer is trying to give us that encourages anyone to persevere in their faith, to to have a faith even though they're struggling, even though they're going through hard things. They're saying, here's the frame in which you can see a picture of faith that will help you to push through, to fight the good fight of faith. And, and so doing, in doing this, he establishes this framework of faith, this frame of faith. Sometimes a picture um, is very important, but the frame around the picture sometimes is either just as important as the picture, or in some cases it can be actually more important than the picture itself. It's sort of like what you say sometimes isn't quite as important as how you say it. 
Have you ever noticed that sometimes uh, you can say something to your kids that is true and something that is very constructive, but in the way that you say it to them, you can actually cause severe mental issues when they grow up that they need to go to therapy for. Um, or you can actually be raised or get a raise or be fired based off of saying the same exact thing, but how you say it to your boss will determine what happens. Uh, so there's such an importance to how you say things and what you say, not just what you say, but how you say it. Um, in being married, phraseology is very, very important. Ladies, if you want to see something in your husband change, um, catch him doing something right and start to compliment him on those things. Because you could keep critiquing him when he does something wrong, but he's just going to keep doing it because men will repeat whatever you feed them. So it's really, it's how you frame things. If you want them to do something different or you want them to to have a more positive outlook on life, then frame what you're saying in a way that will help them to focus on the picture instead of what's outside of the picture. It's so important that we understand the necessity of having a frame in the book of Hebrews. This is what they're trying to do. They're trying to establish a frame. As a parent, um, I do a terrible job of asking my kids uh, if they're hungry. Because when it's dinner time and I ask this question, I say, Joey, are you hungry? And of course his answer is going to be no, because he's playing and he doesn't want to take time to eat. And so I ask this question, Joey, are you hungry? And my wife just sort of like drops her head and sort of shakes it. And she goes, we don't ask our kids if they're going to eat. We don't give them a fill in the blank. We give them a multiple choice. So what we are supposed to do and what works for our kids is, Joey, do you want to eat dinner right now? Or do you want me to take away video games for the rest of the night? And all of a sudden, magically, he becomes hungry. And so it's this idea in the world of psychology, this is actually called cognitive framing. It's the idea of an invisible frame which establishes the point that you're trying to make. So even though you don't say what you want them to believe, or in this case, the picture that you want them to see, you set and establish a boundary or a frame around by saying certain things that allows them to focus on the picture you are trying to paint. And this happens all the time in advertising. It happens all the time in, uh, with politicians. They, they're famous at doing this. When I was in sales, I would do this all the time where I would have something that I wanted someone to buy and I really believe that they should buy it. But in order to get them and convince them to see the picture the way that I want them to see it, I have to establish a frame around that picture that allows them to focus on what I believe they should focus on. And so that brings brings us to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, and Hebrews 12, uh, verses 1 through 2. And in Hebrews eleven three, 3, it says this, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now, in construction terms, when you frame something, that's the building blocks of a house. So the per- this person in Hebrews, the author, the writer of Hebrews, when he talks about framing, he's saying that when God went to find something to create the entire universe, there is nothing that was a substitute for the power and the raw material of his word. So God framed and built the world, which is visible 
with his word, which is invisible. And we, as his people, with his word that we get to read and we get to establish in our lives, we can frame our lives with the same building material that God used to create the entire universe. I mean, how amazing is that? What God used to create and put boundaries on the ocean, I can use in my life to help me when it comes to my Friday night and that decision that I'm trying to get through and and that struggle that I'm trying to break free from. If I allow the word to be formed by the faith that he gives us. Look, it says, by faith we understand. And so we have access to this raw material. And this is so valuable because I know in my life, I want to build my life on something that is so strong, that is so sturdy, that is so solid. And how do I build and borrow this raw material, the rhema, the word of God, which we believe without seeing, but we still believe in it. And and you can't see it, but you still believe in it. How do I use that? Because this is such a powerful tool. It's so amazing that I can frame my life with the same substance that God used to frame the world. And so can you. And so the writer of Hebrews, he starts by, by creating and establishing this frame where he says at the very beginning, it's all about faith. And at the very end, it's all about faith. And to get to this place, we have to start with a focused faith. We have to focus on the picture that God is trying to give us. Um, I know focus is a skill that continually has to be sharpened. It's something that you have to always be working on. And I get a lot of practice uh, as a preacher getting to focus and um, sharpen my skills in, in preaching. Because there's a lot of times where things are very distracting when I'm trying to talk and, and trying to, to preach the word. And, and sometimes I'm looking around and I'll look at somebody and they just got the most confused look on their faith face and i'm trying not to focus on them because i'm thinking oh my goodness i must not be making any sense whatsoever what am i even doing up here uh, and then other people I'll look at and they'll make me want to laugh um, not because of the way they look but just because i can i know what they're thinking like my sister uh, if she'll look at me like her and my wife will be sitting together and i can't look at them because they'll make me laugh because they're laughing or there's something going on and, and so you have to learn to focus so what i've learned to do is i just scan back and forth, just looking for love, just looking for somebody who's just going to smile, who's nodding their head, who makes me feel like I might be doing a halfway decent job. Um, I was at convention um, for our denomination a couple of months ago, and I had the privilege of after every session, I got to interview with another guy, all the speakers. And so we would, we would interview these guys, and we'd have a camera, and, and they would be zoomed in on us. And we'd wait for everyone to be let out of the session so it didn't look like there was no one there. And we would start interviewing them. But when we interviewed them, the the camera crew said, we're not editing this at all. Um, This is just going to be one shot. So no matter what you do, don't stop and don't get distracted. So it's like, oh, great. I've never done this before. This is terrible. And so the people come out and we're trying to interview and there's all sorts of crazy going on. I mean, there's people, they have no clue what's going on that we're actually interviewing. There's filming happening. And so they're like walking in front of us. And there's one time I'm sitting here with the mic trying to interview this guy who's a pastor in New York of a really big church in Hell's Kitchen, trying to interview him. And there's somebody next to me and they're like, Oh, praise the Lord. 
like, they're going crazy. It's so distracting. But the whole time I had to focus on what I was supposed to be doing. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to be a destroyed shot. But when I went back and I saw the final product of what they had shot, I realized that the filming crew crew had framed the picture so that no one else ever saw the chaos that was going on around us. And I think a lot of times we have to focus and narrow our frame in a way that even though there's chaos going all around you, you focus on what's inside of that frame, inside of that picture. So even though all these things are happening in your life, if you focus on what God has created and what he's calling you to focus on, then even though all those other things are happening, you can do what you're supposed to do because you're focusing on what you're supposed to focus on. And if we allow God's word to be that frame, then anything that isn't of his word, now you put outside of your frame. So when those voices come into your head, when that doubt comes in, when fear or insecurities come in, you say, no, that is not of God. So that has to go outside of the frame. And I'm now going to focus not on on what's outside of my frame and the chaos that's going on, but I'm going to focus on what's inside of my frame. Now, it's sort of like cropping a picture. Anyone here ever cropped a picture? You know what that means? When you, like, cut the outside? Yeah. Okay, so I don't think there's anything more insulting than when somebody crops you out of a picture, right? Like, it's just like, oh, I was in that picture. Oh, cool, there's my arm. Great, yeah. Right? I mean, it's sort of like... Wow, I guess I wasn't good enough to be in that picture. But usually what you do is you crop out something from a picture that shouldn't be there. Like when there's a really good picture on Facebook and you're like, I look really good and I look tall and and thin in that picture and I really like it, but I don't like that person that's next to me. What do you do? You crop them out because they're not supposed to be in that picture. And I think what we need to do is we need to start cropping things out of our life that shouldn't be there so we can focus on what should be inside of our picture. It's framing the picture and doing it not by our own, on our own, but through the word of God. How many here have seen the movie Troy? Anyone here seen the movie Troy, Brad Pitt? Well, in the movie, it's funny, he's a mythological man named Achilles. And there's a scene in the movie, um, go ahead and show that, that first picture. Uh, this is, okay, so there's, see the little arrows right there? That's an airplane. Okay, this is like back before Jesus' time. So obviously, there should not be an airplane in this scene. So this was pre-cropping and pre-editing of this picture. So go ahead and show the next one. This is what you see in the actual picture. Brad Pitt, there's no airplane there. Um, I think a lot of times what we need to do in order to have a strong faith in our life is we have to narrow our focus. We have to figure out what should be and what shouldn't be in our picture. And the things that shouldn't be in our picture, we need to get out and not focus on those things anymore. A lot of times I feel like I just need to yell out to myself or to us as a church, just focus, (laughs) 
focus, focus on what you're supposed to be focusing on. When my, my son uh, played soccer last year and he did a terrible do- job of focusing, uh, about halfway through the game, he would start getting bored and he'd pretend he was a raptor and a dinosaur. And he'd start running around like, like biting and pretending he was attacking other dinosaurs. And, and the other parents would be like, what is your son doing? And I was like, don't ask. I don't want to tell you. He just saw Jurassic Park 15 or whatever one in a Jurassic World. And, and, but it's always like, focus. Stop doing that. Like, do what you're supposed to be doing. So we have to focus. We have to look at what we should be. I mean, I think there's even people today and, and you should be focusing on the word of God. But it's so hard for you to focus because of what's going on after church today. And, and you're, you might be hearing what I'm saying and you might be hearing the truth, but you're not really listening to the truth because of who you're going to meet. Or because of what you're going to do next. Or because of the issues that might be going on in your life. And God is saying, just focus. God is saying through Hebrews, what faith is, is focusing. Hebrews 11, focus on me. Hebrews 12, focus. Don't allow the chaos that's around you to distract you from the picture that I'm trying to show you in your life. So we have to have focus, but we also have to have a frame of reference. We also have to have uh, perspective. Now, the context of Hebrews and who he's speaking to in, in this book is it's the persecuted church. And so what the writer of Hebrews does is he gives us a frame of reference. And, and the frame goes back to Jesus and the persecution and the pain that he went through and the suffering that he went through. And then it goes through all of these different heroes of the faith. And they all had faith. And what the Hebrews writer is saying is, listen, every single one of these people, they didn't even see the promise fulfilled in Jesus. Yet they all still had faith. And then look at Jesus and, and he, he persevered through the pain. Pain and the shame of the cross. And, and what it does is it allows you to take a step back and it gives you perspective. Oh my goodness. That's what Hebrews is trying to do. It's trying to say, look at the big picture. Don't, sometimes we, we want to have faith and we want to have focus. But in order to get that focus, we have to take a step back and look and say, oh my goodness. Okay, this gives me perspective so that I can focus. Um, one time when I, I was about 20 years old, uh, I was at church on a Sunday and it was after the second service. So I had gone into the first service waiting for the second service to let out. And my buddies and I were playing football. And I don't know what it is. When I was 20, like, every time I caught the football, I had to really pretend like I was in a football game. And so, like, you're doing, like, your juke moves. And, and you don't just do them haphazardly. It's like you're really in a game and you're running past someone to score a touchdown, you know, like the Seahawks are going to do today. Um, and, and so I grab the ball. He throws me the ball. And I go to do this spin move, right? And so I do this spin move. And it's right when service is letting out. So everyone's coming out um, from the double doors across the parking lot. And I go to do this spin move. What I didn't know was there is a handicap sign right behind me. And remember, I'm doing this spin move like I am an NFL Hall of Famer here. So, so I go to do my spin move. And like I just like pull up my chin and spin and just catch my chin right on the edge of the handicap sign. I hit it so hard that it didn't even bleed. It just like split straight open. So 
I'm like, oh my gosh. And everyone's walking across the parking lot like, ah, <laughs> I'm like, bleed. I wasn't bleeding at first, but then it started bleeding. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And the, the signs like, boom, like going back and forth. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. So I have to go to the ER because I have to get stitches, even though I don't want them, but it's on my face. So whatever. I don't want a big scar on my face. So I go to the ER and this is on a Sunday night. And they tell me for stitches, there's an eight hour wait. I'm like, are you serious? I have to sit here for eight hours because of this silly cut on my face because of a handicap sign. And so I'm sitting there and I'm frustrated and I'm waiting. And at this time, I didn't have a cell phone because this back in like 2000, 2001, iPhones weren't even invented yet. So I couldn't even do anything. And I'm sitting there very frustrated, very angry. And as I'm sitting there, I start to see people go by with like terrible things like arms that are just like gushing blood and, and people bringing in their kids and, and their kids. And I start thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I might have to be here eight hours, but there's some people here, they're not leaving. Or I might be in the hospital for a little bit of my life today, but there's some people here that have wasted six months of their life trying to get through that cancer that they're dealing with. And all of a sudden, I wasn't annoyed or frustrated anymore. And it's not that my situation had changed, but my perspective had changed. My frame of reference had been very quickly clarified. And so sometimes in order to focus on what we need to focus on, we need to take that step back because we don't start focused. I'd love to start focused on what I'm supposed to be focused on. But a lot of times in order to get to that point, because honestly, a lot of times I'm not just there. I have to take a step back. I have to figure out perspective. I have to figure out a frame of reference. So when I'm on the battlefield and I see Goliath against me and wanting to kill me and those Goliaths in your life wanting to attack you and destroy you, I can take a step back and get some perspective, get a frame of reference And remember, I killed a lion, that I killed a bear, that God gave me a promise of his anointing. And I need that perspective to remember that, yes, I might have been worried about my my bills last month, but God came through for me then. And I need to take another step back and realize that God's going to take care of me now, just like he took care of me then. Even though Goliath looks big and and you're focusing on something that shouldn't be in your picture. If you take a step back and look at everything that God's done for you and what the word says, that's what Hebrews is trying to say. Look at the faith that God has given you that has created the world, that structured the world that you can use in your life to structure your life. When I can look with perspective to see what God's word says, then Goliath doesn't look so big. And I can start to focus on God's promises and not just what I see. That's why the most common instruction in all of the Bible is remembrance. Over and over and over, the Bible says, remember, remember, remember what I did. Remember what I promised you. Remember who I am. That's what God says to every single one of us. Remember, because when you can remember who God is, it will build up a faith in your life that will get you through what you need to get through. Because what the enemy will time and time try and do is get you to focus on one thing that's going wrong in your life so that you lose your frame of reference 
You lose what God's word says and you focus on what's outside of the frame that God's given you. We have to remember, that's the reason, one of the reasons why we come to church. One of the main reasons we come to church is to be around other believers, to broaden our frame of reference and get a holy, godly perspective that, yes, I might be going through something, but I can now remember what God's word said. I can take a step back and get some perspective, realizing that I'm not the only one going through this, but the enemy is trying to make me feel like I should focus on this, and I'm the only one who's dealing with this issue in my life, but at church i can come and say yeah this person's dealing with it too or, or this person's struggling with something as well and when we can broaden our perspective and realize that that god is here for all of us and at church that we can we can come together and, and realize that that we're all going through things but god's word's strong enough to get us through them whether that be um, money problems or problems with your kids or, or problems with your spouse or your work or your future or not knowing what you're supposed to be doing with your life. When people keep asking you time and time again and, and you're just frustrated and you don't know, we come together to get perspective to say, OK, I know that God has a plan for me. I know that God cares about my kids. I know that God doesn't want me on the streets. And so he's going to provide for me in the way that I need to be provided for because stuff might happen. Things might come into your life, but I can deal with it. I can push through it because I have a frame of reference, which allows me to focus on the things that I should focus on. But we can't just stay there because last week we talked about the opposite of faith is certainty. A lot of times what we want to do is we want to get to a place where God does something and we just want to like set up camp and never leave. <laughs> like God did something really cool here. And so I would never want to leave from this place. But we have to anticipate what God's going to continually do. And we can't just sit in one place and get really comfortable because that's not what faith is. It's believing that God has something else for you. That's God's going to move somewhere else. The Israelites, what would have happened if time and time again, they just said, I want to stay right next to the Red Sea. Or if they said, Mount Sinai is really awesome. Look at all the cool things that God did. I don't want to move from here. Then God would have never got them to the promised land. The miracles that God does isn't so that you don't move after that. It's to show you that he can get you through to where you're supposed to be going next. But a lot of times we hear a song and we're like, shoot, that song really ministered to me. So that's the only song I want to listen to. Don't play any other songs. Like I had a song from the 60s that was really cool. And we should just do that song for the rest of our lives. And God is saying, yeah, I, I did something awesome, but I've got other awesome things to do in your life. We can't just focus on what God did. Because he's doing things all the time. Don't just sit in your tent waiting for God to do what he did before again for you. Anticipate with faith what he wants to do next in your life. Because if you just sit there and you just think, I'm waiting for God to, to make the same thing happen that happened before, what you will end up asking is, where is God? What is wrong with God? He must not move anymore. He must not heal anymore. He must not work in my life anymore. When God's saying, I'm still going, I'm still pushing through trying to get you to your promised land. The problem is you won't come. So we have to anticipate. We have to stop focusing on what just God did and start to focus on what God is doing. 
know, one thing um, that fear and faith have in common is the power of anticipation. Fear and faith, what they have in common is the power of anticipation. Because a lot of times what happens is you wake up in the morning and you frame your day with anger and fear and discouragement and thinking that things are going to go bad. Sometimes we actually um, frame our day to be bad before it actually starts. And we wonder why we had a bad day. We come on, man, this is going to be the worst week ever. Yeah, it's going to be the worst week ever because you framed it that way. You're anticipating fear instead of anticipating faith. Say, I'm not going to have enough money to eat this month. Yeah, you're not going to have enough money because you're speaking it out that you don't have enough money. Why not speak out faith? If the worlds were framed by the words of life, which came from God, what do you think the words of death will do for you? They'll frame things up, but you won't like the house that they built. That's why Psalms 118, 24, it says this. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You see what he's doing? He is framing his day. We have to frame our day with faith, not with fear. When you wake up in the morning, don't think, wow, this is going to be a terrible day because of X, Y, and Z. Say, this is going to be a great day. Why? Because it's the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Frame your day with life, not with death. Because when you frame your day with a healthy anticipation, what it will do is it will lead to motivation. It will motivate you. Listen, I'm a... um, image-driven person. Um, uh, Austin, can you give me that picture that's back there against the wall? Um, I saw these walls here before, before they were ever built. I saw in the parking lot, thanks. I saw in the parking lot, I saw it to be full while it was still empty. Last Sunday, uh, we had 54 cars here, and we had 50 parking spots. Michelle and I came here. We saw the barbecues before they were reality. Why? Because God gave us an image of his plan. Remember what Hebrews 11 once says. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Michelle and I came to Phoenix because of what we saw, not with our eyes, but with what God spoke to us. With God's eyes and things unseen, things that we hope for, things that we believed in, a frame, a purpose that God had given us to come down here to partner with you. That's faith. That's looking inside the frame that God has given you. And you know what? There are times, to be honest, and I think you can relate, where you're not feeling it, where you don't have motivation. And I'm a, like I said, I'm a very image-driven person. And what I do when I'm not feeling it is I have this picture. um, And it sits above my desk, or on the side in my office, um, across from my desk. And this picture, it motivates me. It motivates me because it makes me remember, it makes me realize that I have people who look up to me 
for my faith. Even when things don't feel great this week, I have a cold sore on my eyeball. (laughs) I'm actually not crying. (laughs) My eyes watering. Um, I didn't feel it this week. I didn't, I couldn't look at my notes when I was trying to study. I, I had to close my eyes because my eyes had become so sensitive, but I knew that I had to persevere, not just for myself, but I have a family and I want them to see that I can push through to God and to read his word and to study and to do what God's called me to do regardless of how I feel. Because my motivation can never just be in my emotions. It has to be in the word of God and what he has done and the foundation that he has called me to. And it's the same for you. And, and it's so amazing to me when you look, because I, I had to push through my eye not feeling okay, because I love my family and because I love you. So I pushed through that. But look at, look at what Jesus pushed through. Oh my goodness, what his motivation was. I mean, my motivation is I, I can push through because my eye is hurting and because I love my family. But look at what it says about Jesus in, in Hebrews 1, 11 verse 2. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus' motivation is so strong that he endured the most pain and shame and suffering that any of us could ever imagine. Why did he do it? For the joy set before him. Do you know what the joy set before him is? It's you. It's me. You are his joy. Just like my family, they're my joy. And it's set before me every day to give me motivation to push through. Jesus on the cross, what kept him there with his hands nailed to a tree was you and the love that he has for every single one of us. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross because he loves you because he loves me. You are the picture that is above his desk. You are the one that he looks at. You are his motivation. Why? Because you are his child. Because he created you. And we all have to trust the frame that he gives us. The frame that says you are his joy. The picture he paints. The the frame is faith, but the picture is of love for you and for me. And we have to focus not on what's outside the frame, not on the chaos of our lives, not on the things that we have going on after our day, but focus on what God has put in front of you. The joy set before him is you so that you could do what he's called you to do. So you could become what he's called you to be. Allow yourself to sit inside of that frame, to focus inside of that frame, to believe for your life inside of the frame that he gives you. I saw a really quick video I want to show to you guys. It's of a little girl. And her world would be very scary. Her world could kill her at any second. Yet in this video, we see she has such joy. When she's around her father. And I just want you to see this because it really gives us a picture of inside of a father's frame. The joy that you can have despite the life that you are in. Go ahead and show that. 
You know, I believe God's a God of pictures. And four years ago, I gave, we gave birth to a picture. I didn't know at the time, but God knew. About 20 weeks into the pregnancy, my wife contracted cytomegalovirus, a virus that causes mild to severe handicap. And in Abby's case, she had a stroke in utero, and so she was severely handicapped. Severely in that she's visually impaired. Her eyes see, but her brain just doesn't allow her to transmit it. She was born deaf. She, she couldn't hear. She couldn't hear much of anything. And in my embrace, when I'm playing with her and throwing her up in the air, she is completely happy. She's totally dependent upon me. And to me, Abby is a picture of childlike faith, of complete and 100% trust and dependence upon Jesus. We are a lot like Abby. We're, we're totally dependent upon the Father holding us close and whispering in our ears, I love you. You see, this little girl, she was totally content in the arms of her father because of the frame that he created for her, a safety, a peace, a security that he creates, that, that when that little girl is thrown up in the air, all she can do is smile. God's holy in every single one of you. He's created a frame. He's created a world. He's created an environment where you can be completely safe, where you can be completely and totally content in the arms of your father. It's the context of the world that he creates for you, just like it's the context of the world that that father created for his daughter. If you will allow yourself to just focus on the frame that God's giving you and the picture that he has created for you inside of that frame. The love that he's given you will bring your life into focus. And it will cause you to stay within your frame. And it will allow you to trust in the picture that he has created for you now and for your future. Not just for what he did, but for what he wants to do in your life. Let's pray.